Hello and welcome to Books with Pinky. My name is Pinky Boy and I will be reading for you some books that uh, I have read over the, mm, over the past and hopefully you will be able to enjoy them as I have. Uh, the first book we are going to be reading is Letters to a Young Poet, which is a collection of letters written by Raina Maria Rilke to an aspiring poet called Franz Xavier Kappus. These were written in the early 20th century. Um, it's a collection of 10 letters. And I hope you enjoy. Letter 1. Paris, 17th of February, 1903. My dear sir, your letter reached me just a few days ago. I want to thank you for the deep and loving trust it revealed. I can do no more. I cannot comment on the style of your verses. Critical intent is far too removed from my nature. There is nothing that manages to influence a work of art less than critical words. They always result in more or less unfortunate misunderstandings. Things are not as easily understood nor as expressible as people usually would like us to believe. Most happenings are beyond expression. They exist where a word has never intruded. Even more inexpressible are works of art, mysterious entities they are, whose lives, compared to our fleeting ones, endure. Having said these things at the outset, I now dare tell you only this, that your verses do not as yet have an individual style. They, yet they possess a quiet and hidden inclination to reveal something personal. I felt that very thing most notably in the last poem, My Soul. There, something of your inner self wants to rise to expression. In the beautiful poem to Leopardi, something akin to greatness and bordering on uniqueness is sprouting out toward fulfilment. However, the poems cannot yet stand on their own merit. They are not yet independent, not even the last one to Leopardi. Not yet. In your kind letter accompanying them, you do not fail to admit to and to analyse some shortcomings, which I could sense while reading your verses, but could not directly put into words. You ask whether your poems are good, you send them to publishers, you compare them with other poems. You are disturbed when certain publishers reject your attempts. Well now, since you've given me permission to advise you, I suggest that you give all that up. You are looking outward and above all else. You must, do, you must not do that now. No one can advise and help you. No one. There is only one way. Go within. Search for the cause. Find the impetus that bids you to write. Put it to the test. Does it stretch its roots within the deepest place of your heart? Can you avow that you would die if you were for, if you were forbidden to write? Above all, in the most silent hour of your night, ask yourself this. Must I write? Dig deep within yourself for a true answer. And if it should ring to its ascent... If you can confidently meet this serious question with a simple, I must, then build your life upon it. It has become your necessity. Your life, in even the most mundane and least, least significant hour, must become a sign, a testimony to this urge. Then draw near to nature. Pretend you're the very first man and write about what you see and experience, what you love and lose. Do not write love poems, at least at first. 
They present the greatest challenge. It requires great, fully ripened power to produce something personal, something unique, where there are many good and sometimes brilliant renditions in great numbers. Beware of general themes. Cling to those that your everyday life offers you. Write about your sorrows, your wishes, your passing thoughts, your belief in anything beautiful. Describe all that with fervent, quiet and humble sincerity. In order to express yourself, use things in your surroundings, the scenes of your dreams and the subjects of your memory. If your everyday life appears to be unworthy of the uh, subject matter, do not complain to life. Complain to yourself. Lament that you are not poet enough to call up its wealth. For the creative artist there is no poverty. Nothing is insignificant or unimportant. Even if you were in a prison whose walls would shut out from your senses the sounds of the outer world, would you not then still have your childhood, this precious wealth, this treasure house of memories? Direct your attention to that. Attempt to resurrect these sunken sensations of, of a distant past. You will gain assuredness. Your aloneness will expand and will become your home, greeting you like the quiet dawn. Out of tumult will pass it by from afar. If, as a result of this turning inward, of this sinking into your own world, poetry should emerge, you will not think to ask someone whether it is good poetry. You will not try to interest publishers of magazines in these works, for you will hear them of uh, for you will hear in them your own voice. You will see them as a piece of your life, a natural possession of yours. A piece of art is good if it is born of necessity. This, its source, is its criterion. There is no other. Therefore, my dear friend, I know of no other advice than this. Go within and scale the depths of your being from which your very life springs forth. At its source, you will find the answer to the question whether you must write. Accept it, however it sounds to you, without analysing. Perhaps, perhaps it will become apparent to you that you are indeed called to be a writer. Then accept that fate. Accept its burden and its grandeur, without asking for the reward which might possibly come from without. For the creative artist must be a world of his own and must find everything within himself and in nature to which he has betrothed himself. It is possible that even after your descent into your, into your inner self and into your secret place of solitude, you might find that you must give up becoming a poet. As I have said, to feel that one could live without writing is enough indication that, in fact, one should not. Even then, this process of turning inward, upon which I beg you to, to embark, will not have been in vain. Your life will no doubt from then on find its own paths, and they will, that they will be good ones and rich and expansive, that I wish for you more than I can say. What else shall I tell you? It seems to me everything has been said, with just the right emphasis. I wanted only to advise you to progress quietly and seriously in your involvement. You could greatly interfere with that process if you look outward and expect to obtain answers from outside. Answers which only your innermost feeling in your quietest hour can perhaps give you. I was very happy to find in your writing the name of Professor Horacek. I, 
I harbour the highest regard for this kindest of scholars and owe him a lasting gratitude. Would you please pass my sentiments on to him? It's very kind of him to think of me still, and I appreciate it. I am returning the verses with which you entrusted me. I thank you again for your unconditional and sincere trust. I am overwhelmed with it and have there and therefore have tried to the best of my ability to make a little to make myself a little more worthy than I am as a stranger to you really am with my with my sincerest interest and devotion Rainer Maria Rilke